0: Welcome in to another edition of the Cattails Podcast with Athletic Director Tim Crompton. I am Paul Grua, and Tim, we are sitting out here on a beautiful day overlooking Ogden and Weber State, and we're joined by a Weber State football legend in Dave Arslanian, former Wildcat player and coach, as we celebrate the 100th anniversary of football at Weber State. Coach, thanks so much for joining us. Well, thank you
1: very much. I'm honored.
0: And he, you know, Tim, he really is a legend, isn't he? Couldn't
1: couldn't
2: think (laughs) of a better place to be Right now, no
0: question. We're overlooking on his deck outside, overlooking the all of Ogden. You've you've had this this house uh, since the last few years of your coaching here at Weber State. That's
1: right, that's right. Beautiful yeah. view. I finished my coaching career at Weber State in this house, and and uh, I remember one day in practice, we always had well. No, go wanna, ahead, go you ahead. Want me to start a story? I want I you a story to start. You yeah, right go. Now. Scott Shields was on the team, you remember Scott Shields? Oh, of course. One of the greatest players ever at Weber State. And we always, we had what we called our opportunity, the opportunity to get better. This was during training camp, during 2 days And if you missed a certain number of plays or you missed a, you were late for a meeting or something, then we'd give you the opportunity to get better. And that opportunity was in the morning, it's about six o'clock. It's been coach. called lots of things, but opportunity, it's opportunity. is a great name for it opportunity. For sure. to, and so the coach would meet them on the practice field. And they would spend 30 minutes or so going through a few drills and doing a little running. Well, one morning or one night, I said, "Okay, coaches, you got the morning off. I will take the morning opportunity." Players, I want you lined up on the 40-yard line, and I want you to I'll count you off and then I want you and I gave him a list of things I wanted him to do. I says, but I won't be there. I will be on my deck. (laughs) So I rolled out of bed and I come out on the deck and I'm watching. I see the guys line up and Scott Shields, I think, is probably one of them. And they're lined up across the line and and so I can count them off. Sure enough, they're all there. So they go about the opportunity to get better that they were supposed to do and uh, that was uh, one of the benefits of having a deck like this
2: yeah it's a tremendous view and i'm certain that in the morning opportunity morning and a tradition that sounds like you started that it's still still going today like I'm i sure said probably is. called something different but <laughs> i'll have to remind them that is an opportunity for them to get better opportunity for the sure. assistant coaches to to get to know their players a little bit but I don't think any of the assistant coaches could do it from their deck.
0: No.
1: <laughs> One of the last coaches' meetings I had on this deck was uh, we were always trying to figure out how to close the gap between we were good, but we want we needed to be great. We needed to get to that point where we could win the conference championship because we were we, we were just we were just a step behind in terms of resources and in terms of commitment that the Montanas and the Montana states and the Idaho's and the and the Boise's and the Nevadas had, and a good friend, former head coach from Montana, Don Reed, had just retired the year or two years previously, and I called Don Reed and asked him if he would come during two days, if he would come and observe our training camp for a couple of days, and we could talk about how I could get Weber State to be as good as Montana. And he came, and we sat on this deck for a couple of mornings, and we would go through the practice of the day before, and it was an awesome, awesome thing. But even with all the knowledge that we could obtain, all the tweaking of the little things that you do to to go from good to great, there was still one thing that was lacking, and it was the full commitment, the full commitment by everybody that we needed to have involved. And We just couldn't get that last little bit. Paul, I can tell you
2: that in in your time i always like to reference you as the quarterback whisper like you always had a great quarterback and you could just i mean i've heard stories i've heard stories that you would just kind of go over there and say something to them and all of a sudden they were they were in a whole different place and and uh in the offenses that you had while you were the head coach here were prolific some of the greatest offensive players we've ever had at this institution so you know, when you talk about trying to tweak it and go from, from good to great, and I think you were doing your
1: part. Well, we, one thing I learned early, and I, I think maybe it was because I grew up wanting to be a quarterback, and I was a high school quarterback, but I just didn't have the arm to be a college quarterback, so I moved to defensive back when I came to Weber State. In fact, there were two of us that were high school quarterbacks that were recruited at the same time to Weber State, my recruiting was pretty easy. I think his was too, because his high school coach had come here. We were both quarterbacks and we came to Weber State and they made me a defensive back and they made him a linebacker. And that person is John Smith.
2: Mm. I, I know you're remember. pretty you're pretty a, close with John.
1: Well, eh? We haven't spoke a lot since he did what he did to Weber State when he... But you guys go back a long way. So. We go back a long yeah, way. I yeah, can respect we were, that for sure. Yeah, he was, uh, you know, we were, we were very good friends. We were we were two of the few freshmen that they brought in at that time. But mostly, it was an, a junior college program. But uh, I so I always had a, a real interest in quarterbacks, and I just I don't know I developed a, a a love for it, but also a realization that that is the one player on your team that can affect the outcome of what's going to happen more than anybody else, and that one guy. As the head coach or as the offensive coordinator or the quarterback coach, that one guy can really influence what's going to happen. I, I think that you could probably, and I know a lot of coaches that would
2: agree with that wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly. Uh,
1: well, and we've had some great ones here. Yeah, We really sure did. i have say. I, I Prolific, think, tremendous. I, my father would tell the story of when he, see, when he was at Dixie College before he came to Weber, he had a quarterback named Ron Hahn that he went undefeated with. I mean, they won the only undefeated team in the history of Dixie College. And then he came to Weber State. Ron Hahn did. He came to Weber a year before my father did. So my father then has another great year at Dixie College, like 10-1, and 1, and then he comes to Weber State, and Ron Hahn is here. What and year was that? That would have been 1965. And my dad pulled Ron in and said, you know, I love you like a son, but I just I've got a chance to get this quarterback that John Ralston has put me on to that could go to Stanford if he had a little better grades, but he can't get in. And his name was Tim Jones. So he brought Tim Jones in, and he said, and it's going to break my heart if you're sitting on the bench behind Tim Jones. Why don't you be my freshman coach? So he launched Ron Hahn's coaching career as the freshman coach at Weber State. And, That's uh, a good start. And, and so Ron Hahn has become, I mean, he went on to become one of the great coaches in the West. I mean, what he did at Ricks College. Yeah. Uh, and then was an assistant under coach McBride with Mike, for, with, yeah, with Ron McBride. exactly. Yeah, Ron Hahn is, I yeah. just think the world of yeah. Ron Hahn.
2: That's he a just, great story. He just, it's
1: amazing. See, right? That's something that
0: you can't get anywhere else. <laughs> that's right. Just, so, just some <laughs> context here, of course, with with Coach Arslanian. It's hard to, you can't really tell the story of Weber State football without the, the Arslanian name in it, can you? Because his, your father, of course, Sark, was the head coach for for several years uh, which you played for him and we'll talk a, a little bit more about that and then you spent several years as, a, as an offensive coordinator and assistant coach under coach price and then then became the head coach uh so let's take us back what was it like playing for your father
1: well I grew up knowing that that's what I was going <laughs> to yeah. do I mean I just uh, my youth was I was born and raised in St. George my dad was the coach at Dixie College and my my youth when I came home from grade school is. It must have been when I it must have started when I was in first or second grade. I'd change my school clothes and I'd head off to the college, the two blocks over to to where my dad was, and then I'd just hang out with him, whether he was coaching the football team or the baseball team. I was there, and my brother Paul. When Paul wasn't grounded, then he was with me. <laughs> <laughs> Why doesn't that surprise me? <laughs> <laughs> so, so I just grew up. Just I mean, I didn't, didn't even think of anything else. I mean, and, and when I was a senior and, and the recruiters came, and I had a few that came to my home to visit, I was courteous and I was, was appreciative of them coming, but there was no question where I was going. And uh, and even though I didn't... See, I actually played spring football at Weber State when I was still a senior in high school. You're way ahead of your time there. <laughs> yeah. Because that's what they're all trying to do now. I know it. I hadn't graduated from high school. So you've yet, coined
2: a bunch of different
1: things. So there. So my my father stuck me in there, and so I'm practicing with Lee White and Henry Owens and wow. all the all the legends of University. State. I mean, I'm on the practice field with those guys. So my football started then, and right. then he, and then for two falls he would ship me down to Dixie College because I grew up wanting to play there, and and he wanted me to get a little more experience, and so I spent two falls at Dixie, but then I would always come back here for spring football and then uh, uh, redshirted one year. So over in all, I went through five springs and was connected with five football teams at, at Weber State. Right. But playing for my dad, I just I couldn't have imagined playing for anyone else. Yeah. What, as a coach, what did you learn from him that, that you later used as a coach? How he, he loved his players? And he treated his players really good. Uh, I think that was, uh, that was, uh, and you can see it in the, I mean, what Roger Trinitaro yeah. has done for, you know, he didn't want his name on that, on that thing. He said, no, I want to honor my coach and my teammates, Sarks Boys Gateway. Yeah. And so I think that was probably one of the most powerful things is how he he would treat his players and how they, uh, down in in, when he retired and was living back in St. George, and Derek would have, would have witnessed this. He had several guardian angels, and they were all former players that, that, of his. And one, Ted Johnson, who played for him at Dixie College, and then he was at the University of Utah in line to sign up for registration when my dad got the job here at Weber State. And uh, and my dad tried to find him. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't find him. He ended up signing up at, at, uh, at Utah. but anyway, uh, no, there's we get talking these stories and yeah, it's just, awesome. And tell, it's,
2: tell, tell us about your uh, when you went on to coach and you went to Arizona State, it, t- tell us about what, what your thoughts were about. You know, coming back to Utah State. You were telling about it to me the other day. And
1: well, when someone asked me one time, when did you know you were going to be a football coach? And I, I couldn't think. I couldn't. I couldn't answer it. I couldn't think of it. And then someone asked the question a different way. They said, When did you decide to follow in your dad's footsteps? Bingo! I knew the answer. I said, Always. It's always ever going to do. So when I was graduating from. Weber State and my dad said okay now you can go we can get you You can go take it there's a couple of high school jobs that are open or you can what do you want to do I said I want to be a college coach period that's what I want to do he said well where do you want to go I said well I've been watching them on TV and it's Arizona State and you told me that you that you were good friends with Coach Cush and Larry Cantara, and I said so that's where I want to go so he set it up for me and those those two guys took me under their wings the, two of the legends of Arizona State. They're both in their Hall of Fame. Larry Quintero is the only assistant football coach ever placed into the Arizona State <laughs> Hall of Fame. And so. But all the time I was there, I was preparing myself for one thing, and that was someday coming back to Weber State. And even as great as Arizona State was, and as much as I love it, and I belong to their alumni association, and I, I, I do a number of things with them, I never even thought about wanting to coach at Arizona State. I always wanted to come back and coach at Weber State. This was my dream job, Weber State. And I'm so appreciative of the fact that I finally got the chance to do it. And how did that opportunity come? Oh, that was, Paul, that was, that's, uh, <laughs> there's some good and bad in that. I thought I would do the same thing that my father did, which was to build a really strong junior college football program and then come back to Weber State and be, bring a group of guys with me that we would do like my dad did. I truly followed in his footsteps. So when I got the chance to go to Snow College, I, had, I was at Arizona State, I went, uh, got recruited over to Scottsdale Community College to help them launch their football program several Sun Devils were over there and so they came and picked a couple of the graduate assistants and I was one of them and so I went over and helped them launch their football program and then two years later Snow College came open and they hadn't won a game. they'd won one game in two years and so I thought okay this is my chance so I went to Snow College and we built a program two different times I had uh, we had just completed great seasons and two different times the Weber State job came open and I applied for the job. Couldn't get a sniff,
0: hmm.
1: couldn't. And both times I had great teams that I would have brought with me. One year our quarterback ended up going to Colorado State. Our wide receiver was an all-whack player at Colorado State. Numerous, one player, well three players went to, uh, to Utah State, were starters for Utah State. So I had a team that I could have brought with me and couldn't, couldn't even get a chance. The next time that happened was when Mike Price got the job. And, uh, and so then he had pretty much filled his staff and I called Gary and said, you know, I really wanted an interview, didn't get one, Crompton, Gary Crompton. He said, well, let me introduce you to Mike Price. And he obviously set the table for me because when I came to meet with Mike, we went to, we went to dinner at the uh, Prairie Scooter. And within, before we'd even finished dinner, he'd offered, offered me a job, and so that's how, and, and I, was the only, I was the odd guy out, I was the only guy that he didn't know, the only coach that he didn't know that he hired. And so I was very grateful for that. And that's how I got back to Weaver State. And it ended up being
2: a real good move for yeah, it did. 1981.
1: 81.
0: And some amazing coaches on that staff oh, with Coach goodness. Price. Mike Zimmer and Dave Campo and Greg Brandon and just to name a
1: few. So well, many. There, Weber State has been a great launch point for players that have gone into coaching and coaches that have launched their careers early in their career yeah. that have gone on. Dave Campo goes to, well, even before that, Jim Fossil. Yep. And that's another story. Jim Fossil was the offensive coordinator with Pete Reelman. And he left and went to Stanford. And Pete Reelman called me and said, offered me his offensive coordinator's job. And I I knew he was in the last year of his... And I just thought, you know, I just, I can't do it. I, and I liked Pete. He used to come and spend time visiting with he and his staff. But Anyway, so I didn't come. But Jim Fossil goes and... Ends up, eventually, the head coach of Utah, the head coach of the New York Giants, takes him to the Super Bowl. Dave Campbell with the Cowboys. Mike Zimmer now with Minnesota Vikings. And then others that are assistant coaches throughout the NFL. Two guys that I'm especially proud of are two guys that are, I I relate closely to them because they played here at Weber State, their fathers coached here at Weber (laughs) State, and they've become coaches. Eric Price, who is now with the Jacksonville Jaguars, and John Fossil, who we all saw in the Super Bowl last year with the LA Rams. And I know that, and I relate to those guys because I know how badly they would have loved to have coached at Weber State. Well, I think that door is probably closed now because I think eventually I wouldn't be, one or maybe both of them will be head coaches in the NFL because they're just tremendous coaches. Sure. Interesting, yeah. Great, great staff there, and great memories. Which with from Coach Price, what'd you learn from him, Coach Price? Oh man, he was. He was just so he he just had a way of making people feel so comfortable, and so relaxed. And uh, uh, he uh, uh, he had a real understanding of quarterbacks, and so I really enjoyed working with him from that standpoint because he was. He was about as good a quarterback person as there was as, as well. He really, he really. So I really liked working with him, uh, and he just trusted his coaches. Had great, uh, you know, promoted loyalty, and uh,
0: yeah,
1: Mike was. I, I really, really love and, and appreciate Mike Price. So I you were. I would. Who knows if I'd have ever made it to Weber State if not if not for Mike. Yeah. And you worked for him for, I think it was seven years, seven years as eight years as head eight coach, eight years. And then the opportunity came for you. And then uh, Gary Crompton retired, Mike Price became the athletic director mm-hmm. and football coach, yeah. but then within a couple of months, Washington State came calling, right. and he went back to his alma mater where he had played football, and gone to school, and so then that was my opportunity. I got hired with no athletic director. <laughs> That was interesting. Just good and bad. <laughs> I it was. No, good it's, and bad. To that. It's never good. I'll <laughs> tell you that. It's never good. I, it was, uh, so in the nine years as head coach, I went through, I had five different athletic directors. Wow. wow. I was talking to somebody the
2: other day about that. It was Jerry Graybill, and, and that's a testament to your consistency as a football coach. In and, and, and consistency that you would bring to that group of people, in, in the culture of being you know, able to go through those changes that many times, but to be as consistent as you were—that's a. That's
1: well, sad. I was thrilled when Dutch Belknap was named athletic director. The that Dutch- was—he's was, a legend, Again, top. a Weber State guy that grew up, grew up here, loved this community just like I love this community, and it, and it meant a lot to him. And he's just no like,
0: different now. Him,
1: just like yeah, he's yeah. the same. Yeah, he is. So,
0: in your uh, f- first few years of as head coach, you have a, a player that became pretty good. In fact, his numbers uh, over there at the stadium. Jamie Martin, uh, who became won the Walter Payton Award and, and just a legend, and then had an incredible career in the NFL himself.
1: But That's so right. talk about getting Jamie here and 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 that experience. Well, I was the offensive coordinator and the quarterback coach, but I didn't, I didn't really recruit Jamie. It was Mike Price and Jim Zekas. Yeah. Jim Zekas recruited that area for us over in California, and, uh, and, and I think a good friend of his was, the, uh, was Jamie Martin's head coach in, uh, uh, in uh, San Luis Obispo. And so the three of us recruited Jamie, and, uh, and then Mike Price left. Without ever coaching Jamie, <laughs> so. It's his gift it, to you? That yeah. was my that was a major <laughs> gift. It sure me. was. <laughs> but something that a lot of people don't don't realize is that there was a co- there was a quarterback, a junior college quarterback that we had brought in that we were expecting to be the starter, and then Jamie shows up, and that quarterback, if it wasn't for that quarterback, a guy by the name of Ryan Schmidt, who came from Rick's College. If not for Ryan Schmidt, I'm not sure Jamie would have survived. And, and the reason I say that is Jamie was still young. He needed to mature. He needed to, to get bigger and stronger. Our offensive line was not real good. It was kinda, you know, cause we'd gone through the transition of trying to switch from a JC oriented program to a high school oriented program. So we had a lot of young guys that were trying to earn their way in. And Ryan Schmidt took a beating while Jamie Martin was waiting in the wings. And uh, my hat's off to Ryan Schmidt because he, he really gave Jamie a chance to mature and come along. And then when Jamie did step in, it was, he was, he was, yeah, whenever I'm asked. Well, him, that was a pretty good O-line he had there, Jamie. Oh, by the
2: time Jamie. Yeah. Was by the time he Oh, yes, yeah. absolutely. Bruce Coverton you're, yeah. yeah.
1: you're talking, yeah, I mean. Yeah, some guys. Us, Henry, Stack, and Tom Stack, yeah. and Bruce Coverton yeah. and. And, I good mean there, there was it. See, that's yeah. another
2: great story that n- n- not a lot of people would know that.
1: Mm-hmm. So what made Jamie so so good? He was one he was he was so consistent. He was so consistent. He, he hardly ever had a bad day. Uh, hardly ever had a bad practice. Uh, hardly ever had a bad play. I mean, he was just so consistent. And then in the times when it really counted the most, he would rise up the highest. I mean, he was just, he would play big in the biggest of games, and he just played good all the time. I mean, he completed, uh, in the NFL, he completed almost 70% of his passes in the NFL as a backup and, and sometime as a starter. Yeah. I mean, that's phenomenal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So he, you know, whenever I'm asked who who's the greatest, best who's the best, the best player in the best team that you coached, I always say, well, The obvious one is Jamie Martin look at the state look at number 10s out there yeah Yeah. number 10 the only one hanging there I said but I thought they were all great I had all all the players were great I just thought they all were they were all great that's
2: why they loved you that's right
1: well some well, som- I can't love som- them. They can't all love you. No, they can't all. That's, love them. Them. That's impossible. That's unfortunate. If you've got that figured
2: out, that we'd be sitting
1: there yeah. looking out over the ocean right now. <laughs> well, no, but I tell you what, I, I can say that I love them all. Yeah, I, certainly I, so I many. I appreciate what. I think we all appreciate everything that those football players do, the sacrifice they make, the the toughness, the discipline, the the dedication, the teamwork, the work ethic that it takes to be a college football player. It's yeah it's amazing to be a football player period to be a high school or a junior high football player well so many players
0: that we could talk about one of them that you mentioned before we started was was Scott Shields who in one of the media guys Brad Larson mentioned he's a jack of all trades because that's really what it was I mean he could do everything he could do it all as a kicker and and a safety defensive back he just did it all what kind of
1: player and you recruited him obviously too right yeah we recruited in fact uh he saved me one time because i had someone that i was doing some had a business thing going with and i was trying to get something worked out he said you don't remember me i said well what do you mean he said well he gave me his name i said i I hadn't met him i'd only talked to him on the phone and he said my name is such and such and he said "Uh, you recruited me i was from Leighton high school or clearfield high school he said, you recruited me but you didn't offer me a full scholarship you offered me a partial scholarship and i figured that You did that to all the local kids, and then you went and gave your full scholarships to the out-of-state kids. And I said, well, what year was that? He gave me the year, and I said, well, let me tell you the players we signed that year. Scott Shields, Junior Baker, and I started down the list, and I said, that scholarship that we offered you is the same exact scholarship that we offered Scott Shields, Junior Baker, and all these guys. I said, that was what we did. We brought the young guys in, if we could, if we weren't competing with anyone else, and the only person we were competing with for Scott Shields was Fresno State for soccer. Right, he was wow. an all-state, team all yeah. state soccer player out of that you know, area. We were recruiting, we were Fresno State for soccer, and we were the only football program recruiting him, so we got him for a partial scholarship. That's why
2: he was such a good kicker.
1: And it <laughs> yeah. saved my bacon with this guy. <laughs> yeah, because exactly. Because he says, oh man, I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: No, as you look back on your coaching uh, at Weber State, your head coaching career, are there? This is maybe a hard question to answer, but are there, are there a game? Is there a game or two that stands out as kind of a memorable
1: game for you? Well, there's three in particular. Okay, we're at Nevada. We've got a really good team, and we go up forty-two to fourteen. <laughs> <laughs> we come out the start of the second half, you and we score right away. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's up 35. fourteen. Yeah. The difference in that game was. We scored 42 in the first half, and they scored 14. We scored seven in the second half, and they scored 42. So that was the difference in the, the difference. Unfortunately,
0: in the, the biggest comeback
1: ever still yeah. is, yeah. And but you got,
0: you but got the, back at You got them back.
1: But the sad part of that, and, and part of that story too is that, that doesn't get told, is that there were several plays at the end of that game that really rocked our boat. We had a pass. They threw a pass into the end zone. Our, our defensive back goes up and intercepts I, I can't remember if he intercepts it or just knocks it down cuz it really doesn't matter because it's fourth down yeah they would have been yeah they call they throw the flag pass interference the, the stadium got deathly quiet cuz they all knew it was pass interference on the defen- on the receiver it was offensive pass interference pushing our defender in the back so it got deathly quiet Official comes in and waves it as defensive pass interference, which there was no way, because our we're in front of the guy. So that was one. Puts the ball now on the two-yard line, and they get it in, and then they do their onside kick, which now they have to get the onside kick to beat us. Our player still remember this. Tim Otten kind of comes up on the ball, the onside kick, and. And knocks it out of bounds. The official comes in and signals ball. Weber State. Weber State ball. The official that was standing next to Chris Alt, kind of, you can see it on the film, kind of goes like this, and then he comes running down the line and waves it off and says, "You are UNR ball. Reno ball. How does that one happen?" I mean, that, that was so unexplainable, you can't even explain it. <laughs> Joe Bass was at you that game. You can't even explain it. He was that. at that game. He's told me how, how badly the end of that game happened for you guys. So we're in shock now. I mean, I, I, and I, uh, my heart goes out to our guys because they played so hard, and now they're being ridiculed for the greatest comeback ever. And credit the Nevada players because they, they fought hard. They came back. But there's no way it should have been turned around like it did so we vowed that we would make it up so the next year with Jamie Martin still as our quarterback we go back over there and beat him 23 to 20 now the Jamie Martin era is over and everybody's wondering okay now what's it going to be like what's life like after Martin well we ended up with a freshman quarterback and a sophomore running back that were just outstanding and we go back to Reno the next year And we beat them forty-seven to thirty. Crushed them, and then when we went back last weekend was the first time we've been back since then. Since then, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So those were some of the games. Yeah, there's lots of others, but those those three stand out because.
0: You know, uh, obviously, you were part of of a time that was a difficult time for Wildcat football in 1994 when the program was talked about being dropped or you know whatever that situation was and how the community rallied around it. Take us through that,
1: what that experience was like. Well, we just finished that season we were just talking about with 93. our freshman quarterback and our sophomore running back. And and we just went seven and four, which is the third, con- third consecutive winning season in a row, which hadn't happened for Weber State for 25 years. I get called to the president's office on Monday, the season ends on Saturday. I get called to the office on Monday and I think, okay, they're going to give us that last little bit of support that we need to go from good to great. That's what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. And boom, bombshell. <laughs> they tell me that they're going to drop football. And I, I, I will give President Thompson credit for having the courage to give us a chance to fight to keep it alive, because he had lots of. People pulling at him. There, there were there was there was a strong sentiment, sentiment for, you know, getting rid of football because they, they figured that was, and who knows all of the politics of it. But I figured it was their way of answering the Title IX problem, which was then you do away with this number of, uh, of males, male athletes. Male athletes, yeah. then you balance your numbers. So it could have been as simple as that. But he he had the courage to stand up and say, okay, we'll give you a chance. Basically giving you one more year? Is that kind of what well, he said? he or? said, you give me a plan before the Board of Trustees meeting. You got one month to put a plan together before the Board of Trustees meeting, and then we'll we'll have them vote on it. So of course, first thing I did is I went out and tried to see all the Board of Trustees. I went to enough of them to try to get some votes, but ultimately I needed to have a plan. So we showed them a plan of how we were gonna do this. One part of the plan, and this still sticks in my craw, okay, and I will tell you this one. One part of the plan is that the University of Utah had a game they were playing with Idaho State that next year. If University of Utah would give us that game, it would have given us a huge payday that would have met part of our goal that we needed to reach. They wouldn't do it. I even found someone that would take the Idaho State, that would play Idaho State if they would give us that game. And Idaho State was somewhat willing, but the University of Utah wouldn't do it. They would not give us that game. Ron McBride, <laughs> you would not give us that game. And I don't think it was Ron's decision. I think Ron probably would have. I, sure. I know, it was the, sure. you know it was the other the powers that be that, didn't but no, we went to work. We were, we were selling my my niece who was in school here at Weber State. I've got two sisters that are graduates of Weber State. I got myself and a brother that are graduates of Weber State. I got several nieces that are graduates of Weber State, and my niece down in the mall helping sell cookies. she yep. tells that story? Yep. Selling guys cookies. Guys down there, your players um, down there. Well, Cam Quell mm-hmm. who just sponsored an office for right. me down at, mm-hmm. in the new. Facility, Cam Quell comes back from his mission, and we send him down to the mall to sell tickets. Well, you know the thing is, is that you went, you, your staff, your
2: family, people that you were able to, to rally in, in, in that at that time, you went way above and beyond what would have ever been required of, of a football coach, and because of that, this program is cemented. In this community, I, without that, if there would have been a coach here that would have said, "You know what? I was go. You could have coached somewhere else. You would have just said, You know what? I don't. This is not part I'm of not my work. life. This is not my. Per, this doesn't fall within my purview as a head football coach. You guys need to figure it out. But you didn't do that. And so, when I come to the games, when other people come to the games, that's this. That that, that that can't be forgotten.
1: And let's give some credit to some coaches that put their careers on hold for Just, that football yep, season. No I, guys like... Your whole staff, all of them. The whole, the whole group of them, guys like Mark Gorsak and my brother Paul Arslanian, yeah. uh, Rich Erickson, uh, uh, Lawrence Livingston, Rob Akey, yeah. uh, Akey Mark, Akey Mark Akey Brady. Heart. I mean, those guys put their careers on hold. I had several calls from schools that wanted me to come and interview, and they knew that if they could get me... They could get a instant team. Yeah. And I, I didn't even go. I mean, I, I had one that I asked them to schedule it closer to the vote. Uh, you know, because I, because then I would know. Because if if they, if the board of trustees said no, then we were done. Then and so I asked them to move it closer to okay. the vote, and uh, uh, and they tried to, but then they. But I, no, I, the coaches and then those players and and. We lost the sophomore running back and the freshman quarterback, and the quarterback was the USC's <laughs> yep. MVP in the Rose Bowl, and the, and the running back went to his hometown, University of San Diego State, where they expected him to replace Marshall Falk. Uh, he told me before he left, he said, Coach, I know I shouldn't go, but I just don't know what's going to happen here, and, and they want me to come back. And I know that if I go back there, I'll get back into the gangs, and I'll be... I'll be with my home, you know, my home boys, and I don't know what'll happen, and, and that's about what happened. And, and so well, anyway, he, but the players that stood up, stood strong through the toughest of times. I mean, those guys were. Yeah. Yeah. They're still awesome. paying dividends. I mean, it you is. talk about Cam Quell and his support
2: of the program still. Like the what you did and how you went about doing it and how you were able to to lead that group is well, it, it's
0: cemented. It has, to, it, in this it has to give you great, I'm sure, pleasure that the, the community really rallied around. They really did. They filled the stadium that year and, and saved the program.
1: i trying to remember our car dealer. I know was, I'm, uh, her name is slipping me right now. Julie. Julie uh, out in uh, Layton. What's the. Kenley? Name? Kenley. Julie Kenley, yes. I, I know. I'm yeah. sorry, Julie. But uh, Julie Kenley, she came up with a great idea. She donated us a car. She gave us a car, and the plan was, and this was, I think she created this, she was to raffle, it was to, uh, we would, if you came to a game, you would get a ticket put into the raffle, and then at a designated game, we were gonna draw the winner for that car. And uh, great Worse. promotion. Yeah, great now, promotion. now everybody's got a car. So <laughs> yeah. you started that too. Started that too. got the opportunity. You know,
2: the tradition of the opportunity, all, you got all kinds of stuff. Boy, what a treat to talk to you.
0: Well, as we wrap it up with Coach Dave Arsene, you know, after your career uh, at Weber State, you went to Utah State and went on coached in the CFL and, and other places uh, for quite a while. But as you look back and as you sit here, I guess at Overlook Weber State, what has Weber State meant to you?
1: You know, I grew up in, uh, I was born and raised in St. George. I always figured, I, I mean, I grew up as a Dixie Rebel, Dixie Flyer and a Dixie Rebel. And then two things happened. My father took the job at Weber State and we moved to Ogden, Utah. And I fell in love with both. And I knew this is where I wanted to spend my career. No question about it. Uh, it's, uh, Weber State has meant everything. And uh, I'm so happy that you guys have closed that gap for your coaches and for your players. You've closed that gap. You, closed it, you be, really began to close it about ten years ago. Put in the new fields. You put the sky suites. You built the indoor practice facility. You close that gap, and now the players know they are important. They know they mean something. It isn't just an assistant athletic director making them feel like they're important. It is everybody, the community especially. For Roger Trinchero to start to do that Sarks Boys Gateway, and then for others to come on board because of it you got people sponsoring lockers and offices and and weight rooms and locker rooms and the whole building I mean what a great tribute yeah. to what all of you guys have done to bring that together and Jerry Graybill my hats off to you mentioned Jerry Graybill I love Jerry Graybill he has done a tremendous job and yeah, he's a tremendous person oh he is For sure. he has so Weber State means everything.
0: Thank, thank you, thanks, me. Coach. Uh, yeah. A member of the Weber State Hall of Fame, and as I mentioned before, really the history of Weber State football, which we're celebrating this year, it, it, you know, a big part of that is the Arslanian family for your yourself and your father, and so we thank you for all you've done for Weber State and Weber State football. Thank thanks, really
2: Coach. Thanks, thanks for me. having us here. Like and I started with, I couldn't, I couldn't think of a better place to be.
1: And a special thanks I'd like to give to this Ogden community for stepping up like they have. That's. Awesome.
0: Coach Dave Arsenian joining us on the Cat and Tails Podcast. Thanks for joining us today and go wildcats.